All right, so we're going to start today, and we're starting a new series. It's called From Setback to Comeback. Isn't that exciting? I was thinking about it, Callum. I was thinking about, you know, what would be a great illustration for us is that if uh, United were 6-1 down and 1-7-6, hey, that would have been a comeback from a setback, wouldn't it be? But uh, it didn't happen like that, unfortunately. So as we look at a, a number of Bible characters over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how they turned their setbacks into comebacks. They didn't let their setbacks dictate what their future was going to be. You know what the thing is? Is that if we let our setbacks dictate our future, we never fulfill the plans and the purposes that God has for us. And if you're struggling with a failure or a mistake, you, you know, this, this kind of sentence sits in your heart, if I, only I didn't do that, then I want you to listen this morning. If you're at home, I want you to listen this morning because I'm trusting God. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to encourage you today. So that you can make a comeback from your setback. We read of many great stories, and I've just picked up two, of people that make these amazing comebacks from their setbacks. I was looking at Steven Spielberg's life. Did you know, John, I know you're in the back, you're listening to me. But Steven Spielberg was rejected three times from the film school that he applied to. That gives a lot of you a lot of encouragement, isn't it? Over there, yeah. You know what? He went to Universal Studios, and they saw his potential, and the rest is history. But he didn't let his setback stop him from making a comeback. We look at Walt Disney's life. I've been to Disney World a few times. It's an amazing place. But Walt Disney, the first animation company he had, he actually lost the company because it was doing well, but it had so much debt that it went bankrupt. He lost his, his most prized animation cartoon, which I think was called The Lucky Rabbit or something like that. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, that was it. But he got up and he started again. And he created this empire. And the, the, the fact is that many people, when he, when he brought these cartoon characters, Mickey Mouse and Snow White, to, 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 the, to, um, to the world, many said they will fail. But as we can look at it, the rest is history. He didn't let his setbacks stop him from making a comeback. I know that many of us in our lives have setbacks. Many of us have failed. Many of us have, have lost things because of our failures. You know, failure is often, the, the, the mark for failure often is that you lose something. You may lose your marriage because of a failure. You may lose your career because of a failure. You may lose your reputation or trust of somebody because of a failure or because of a mistake in your life. You may lose the connection, the relationship with your, your parents or with your children because of a failure or a mistake. If you've lost something because of a failure, I want you to listen today because I think God wants to speak to you. You see, the problem with our failures is this. They define us. I want to say to you, Sometimes our failures define us. I know that well. And now I'm not talking about what people say about you. I'm talking about what you say about yourself. You define yourself often by your failures. Often when I'm in a social setting, one of the things that I, I don't know what it is, that I want people to understand is that I'm a divorcee. Why do we do that? You know, when you're recovering from an addiction, you know, you get yourself in a social setting and you want to tell people, I'm a recovering addict. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And so we define ourselves in our own hearts and minds by the failures of our life. I was praying about that. I said, Lord, what on earth is wrong with us? Why do we do that? I felt the Lord say to me, it's like a, a vinyl record. Those ones that you go, those ones. You know what, when you scratch that record, 
often it never passes that point. And so what happens in our lives, our failures become this deep scratch in our hearts and our lives, and we never move on from the failures of our lives. It's like a car. You know that you, when you drive a car, you're supposed to look in, in, out the, 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 the windscreen in front, and it's a massive thing. Because you actually, when you're driving, you're looking to where you're going. And you've got this little, little rearview mirror. Because you occasionally should be looking behind you. But many of us are, are looking at our past failures and not concentrating on where God's taking us. And that needs to change. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29.11, for many of us, a favorite verse. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The context of this portion of Scripture is this. Israel had failed. The promise that God had made to Abraham was that he was going to take them to a land, which is their land. That was their promise. That was their inheritance. But because they rebelled and because they failed, God allowed them to go into exile and they lost this land and they found themselves in Babylon because of their failures. And in the midst of this, as they were in Babylon, God declares to them, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. And I think God was trying to say to Israel, you're not failures. You are people with a future. Don't define yourself by your failure. Look to the purposes and the plans that I have for your life. I want to encourage you today. Despite of our failures, now, despite of our mistakes, God has a future for you. God has a plan for you. I think God wants us to rise, rise from the setbacks and the failures of our lives and fulfill the purposes and the plans that he has for us. You should never be defined by your failed marriage or your failed finances or your failed sexual, uh, sexuality or, or your failed reputation or your failed character. That should never define you. You and I are children of the living God. And the God we serve is merciful and graceful. And He has a purpose and a plan. And we should be defined by the purposes and the plans that God has for us. This morning we're going to look at the life of Moses. Because Moses is a fantastic story of a guy who took a setback. And he turned it into a comeback. The story of Moses in the book of Exodus is this. He was born at a time where children were being killed. Pharaoh was killing any boy under the age of two, I think it was. And so he gets born into the midst of this. And his mom, I don't know how she did it. He must have been a phenomenally well-behaved child. Hid him for three months. But there came a point where she couldn't hide him anymore. And so she put him onto, this, onto the Nile River in a basket. And we know what happens there. He goes down the river and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And you know what happens? Where he was supposed to be murdered, he grows up in wealth with the best education with a future. And when he turns 40 years old, he's walking wherever they were walking in those days. And he sees an Egyptian slave master beating the two Jew, a Jewish man. And I believe that, that Moses always in his heart 
had the call of God that he, wanted to del- that he was going to be called to deliver God's people. Because in that moment, he feels this passion and this desire to deliver this Jew from this Egyptian slave master. And he, he does it the wrong way. You know what he does? He kills the man. I want, you to, I want that to sink into your heart this morning because he didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't cheat 2,000 rand from the tax man. Not that those are, are, are right. But you know what he did? He killed somebody. He murdered an innocent man. And his response to this is that he flees into this desert called Midian. And 40 years later, he encounters God in a burning bush. And God then reinstates him and brings him back to the calls and the purposes that he has for him. And so we're going to look a little bit at that. I want to say to you that all I want to cover this morning is this. That there's a right way to respond to your, your failures and there's a wrong way to respond to your failures. And let's start with the wrong way. Because they always say you remember the last part of a sermon, not the first part of a sermon. The wrong way to respond to your failures. We'll start with Exodus chapter 2 verses 14 to 15. This is after Moses had, had, had um, killed that, uh, Pharaoh, one of the Egyptian slave masters. And what happens is, is that the next day, two Jews are fighting. And he goes to them and says, you guys must stop fighting. It's not good for you to fight. And so they respond to him. One of the Jews responds to him and says, you, he answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. Now listen to what Moses' response was. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by the well. You see, Moses' response to his failure was to run away, to flee. Now, I know there in that portion of the Bible, it tells you that he fled because he was scared for his life. But in Acts chapter 7, I think it's verse 35, interesting enough, it tells us this, that the people of Israel rejected Moses. So yes, he did flee because he was scared, but I think he fled also because he was ashamed. He was ashamed that he failed his people. He was ashamed of what he did. He was ashamed because he, in his heart he, he knew that God had called him to make a significant impact and now it was all gone because of a mistake and a failure in his life. And so he flees from these people. Moses isn't the only one. You know, Adam and Eve did exactly the same thing. You know, after they failed, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 from 8 to 11, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife, what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. The Bible tells us later there that God asked them, why are you afraid? And they say, because we are naked. Now that's interesting because in chapter 2 it tells us that they were naked but unashamed. So what changed between chapter 2 and chapter 3? Their failure brought shame upon them. And so you and I are no different to, to Moses, no different to Adam and Eve. Many times when we fail, the first thing we deal with is shame. And the way we deal with shame is that we put distance between ourselves and God. We run from Him. Because we are ashamed of what we did. 
You may say to me, Nick, I'm not so sure I ran away from God when I, when I failed. I want to say to you, maybe you didn't. But maybe this is what happened. You felt guilty and not worthy to be in the presence of God. And so your quiet times begin to suffer. And so you don't actually attend church as much as you used to. Or you don't go to life group like you used to. Or you don't serve like you used to. Or you don't work on your marriage like you used to. Because there's some distance now between you and your God. Because you've run away because of your shame and your failure. You see, the devil is always going to remind you and me every time we fail that we are not worthy of the best things of God. And so we feel that it's right and probably appropriate that we do run. It's dangerous to put distance between you and God. I want to say to you this morning, it's dangerous to put distance between you and God because it impacts the call of God over your life. When you look at Moses' life, the Bible tells us that when Moses encounters this burning bush and God calls him, he gives God four reasons why God shouldn't use him. And when you look at those four reasons, you start to see that although God did mold Moses in the, in the, in the wilderness, although God molded Moses in that desert, there was something that Moses lost. You know what he lost? He lost his confidence in God being able to use him. He lost his confidence in he, what he could offer God, God could use and I want to say to you, that is what we, that's what we struggle with when we put distance between ourselves and God because of our failures. Is all of a sudden you begin to think that God can't use your life because of your failure. You think that you, you can't offer God anything because of your failure. We see with Moses' life in Exodus 4 verses 1. God calls him and says, I want you to be a deliverer of my people. And Moses answered, and he said, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. What's Moses saying to God? God, they won't, they won't believe that you've chosen me. God, I don't believe that you could use me. God gets angry with him. But Moses misses a significant point about our relationship with God. And I want you to hear this this morning. God, could not, God would use Moses not because of who Moses was, but because of who he was. Let me just say that again. God would use Moses not because of who Moses was, but because of who he was. And Moses lost that. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel that God can't use you because of your failures and your mistakes, I want you to look and go, it's not about me, it's about him. The second thing we see that Moses lost there was confidence in himself. In verse 10 of chapter 4 in Exodus, he says this, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in, in the past or, or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow in speech and, and of tongue. And he asked God, can he use Aaron as his spokesman? But here's the ironic thing. The Bible tells us in Acts 7.22, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. What changed? What changed? What changed was that he stopped, he lost confidence that what he had to offer God was good enough. You see, you and I struggle with exactly the same thing. I know that. 
I know through my own failures. I know through my own mistakes in my life, the things that I really struggle with to get back onto track is, is those two things. God, can you really use me? Can you really use me after my failures? And God, can, what I offer you, would it ever be good enough? Could you really use what I can offer you? And it's often a struggle. I remember when I was younger, I had a 10-year struggle with that. A 10-year, what a waste of 10 years. Because I, I lost confidence in God's ability to use me and, and, and my skills my, to be used by God. So there's a right way to respond to our failures. The wrong way is to run away. The right way is to run towards God. You see, the, in Exodus 3, 3 to 5, when, when Moses encounters the burning bush and God calls him, the Bible says this in, in, in verse 3 to 5. It says, And Moses said, I will turn to see this great sight. He didn't walk past it. He turned towards it. The Bible says he then moved towards the burning bush. He moved towards the presence of God. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The first thing I want you to notice that God, what God was doing when he wanted Moses to re-engage with his call upon his life is he was trying to get Moses' attention. A burning bush in the middle of the, in the, middle of the desert that doesn't burn up got his attention. It got his attention in such a way that he actually started to move and engage with that. I want to say to you today that if you are struggling with your failures, God is trying to get your attention. You may not be seeing a burning bush as you leave your home or, or your office, but maybe this sermon is that burning bush. Maybe it's when you walk out of your house in the morning and you see the sunrise and, and in your heart wells up this, this praise and this worship because you know that there's this God. And instead of stopping and looking like Moses did, you just move on. Or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's in your life group with somebody saying to you, man, God's got such a purpose for your life. And instead of looking and engaging with God, what God's trying to say to you, you just move on. You see, Moses stopped. And he looked at what God was trying to do in his life. Here's another important point. Why was God trying to get Moses' attention? God was trying to get Moses' attention because he wanted to move him away from his failures back to the purposes that he had for him. God was trying to get his attention because he wanted to move him away from his failures back to the purposes that he had for him. And there's the right response. You may say to me, Nick, but that sounds so simplistic. What are you saying? When I fail, all I need to do is turn back to God. That's all it is. That's all God wants you to do. You know, the problem is we think that we have to perform our way back to God. We think that, you know what, we have to suffer a little bit before we can go back to God. You see, when God gets your attention, and when you get to understand 
that God wants you to move towards Him in your failures, you'll get to understand that you're not going to live your life looking at a rear view mirror, but you're going to live your life looking through a windscreen where you're going. Because you understand that that's where God's taking you, despite of your failures and your mistakes. You see, when you live your life understanding that when you fail, that you can go to God, your life isn't going to be defined by your failures. Your life will always be defined by what God's going to do through your life. The problem is we don't understand the heart of God always. I've pulled out a few scriptures because I want, I'm just trusting the Spirit of God that He would show you God's heart this morning. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, but God showed His love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you, Christ died for failures and mistake makers. Not when they were, not when they were right with Him, but when they were still failures and mistake makers. God died for them. There's salvation for failures and mistake makers. Another ver- version, another verse is, is Romans 8.1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The, the Bible, this word condemnation, condemnation just simply means penalty. What's the Bible telling you? If you love Jesus Christ, when you have your failures and your mistakes, there's, you go to a God who's full of grace and mercy and not a God who's full of penalty, who wants to penalize you for the mistakes that you've made in your life. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to say to you this morning, there is no penalty. There's only grace and mercy for, for, for failures and mistake makers. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let me tell you this morning, there's no rejection for failures and mistake makers in the kingdom of God. This is the principle. When you fall... When you fail, when you make mistakes, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. But if you run from God, you're doing the very opposite of what God's calling you to do. The best example of this is the prodigal son. Luke 15, 18 to 28 is the story. What's the story of the prodigal son? It's about a failure, a son that fails horribly. But he gets to a point in his life where he says, I I've failed. What's the best thing I can do? Let me run back to my father. When he gets to his father, what does he find? Open arms. Let me tell you this morning at home there, you guys, yeah, there are open arms for failures and mistake makers. I hope... If you need that this morning, that you're listening to the Spirit of God. You need to be careful, though, as I come to an end. The devil's going to lie to you in many ways, and I I found there's three that I I find are quite prominent all the time. The first time is when you fail, the devil's going to tell you this. You first need to prove yourself before you can be right with God. Up your quiet times, get more involved. Work hard. And at some point, God is going to be so impressed with you, you're going to be right with Him again. I want to read a portion of Scripture to you which will will hopefully explain to you that you and I can never bear fruit outside of a passionate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 15, 2, 4, Every branch in me does not bear fruit, for he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me. 
That means make your home, reside in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit on itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Here's the principle. You and I can never work ourselves to a right relationship with God. We are in him and then he fixes our lives come right. And so the devil's going to say to you, work hard, work hard, work hard, get yourself right, get yourself right, then God's going to accept you. It's the wrong way around. God accepts you and then he cleans it all up. The, th- the second thing we see the devil loves to tell us is that we've lost our opportunities. Oh, you've lost your opportunity for a happy marriage. Oh, you've lost your opportunity for a great career. Oh, you've lost your opportunity in ministry. There's two po- I, I touched on two things this morning. One was that God had called Israel inheritance to be a land. And when they failed, they lost that land. But what was God's promise to them? When you turn, I will take you back there. What was Moses' situation? In his heart, he was a deliverer. We see that when he failed. Did he lose the opportunity to be a deliverer of Israel? No, he didn't. When he turned, God reinstalled that and reinstated that back to him. You'll never lose your opportunity with God. We serve a God where we don't lose opportunities, but we serve a God that restores opportunities back to you. The prophet Micah writes this. He says in Micah 7, 8, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. And now he's talking to, to the devil. He's saying, you know, when I fall, don't rejoice over me. I'll tell you why you don't rejoice over me. Because when I fall, I shall rise. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, when there's no hope, listen to what he says. The Lord will be a light to me. This is what he's saying. He says, devil, you know what? When I get it wrong, when I make a mistake, and when I fall, and when I fail, don't rejoice over me. Because I will rise again. Because in my darkness, God will be the light that leads me out. The third thing the devil loves to talk about is that you must just give up. Just give up. You know what? You've struggled with those drugs for all your life. You've struggled with promiscuity all your life. You're a liar, man. You're a cheat. What do you think? Do you think God's got a call for you? Are you crazy? You just keep falling. Why don't you just give up? Give up on your marriage. Give up on your career. Give up on a future. But we serve a God of new beginnings. The Bible says... That every morning, His mercies are new. He's not the God of the second chance, or the seventh chance, or the 70th chance. He's the God of every time that you need a new beginning, it's there for you. That's the God we serve. Proverbs 24 says this, For the righteous fall seven times. Now seven in the Bible is a perfect number. So the righteous fall seven times, and listen for what it says, and they rise again. You see, it's righteousness that when you fail, you turn to God and you get back up and you fulfill the call of God over your life. It's called righteousness. But it tells us here that the wicked, they stumble in in calamity and they remain there. I want to end this morning by saying this to you. You see, Moses was, was... not remembered as a murderer. You know, when we read about Moses' life, we remember Moses as the man that delivered Israel 
from Pharaoh and the Egyptians and led them through a desert to the promised land. You see, when, when he got up and he re-engaged with the call that God had over his life, when he wasn't stuck as a failure, but he turned to God and he allowed God to restore the purposes and the plans back to his life, we remember him for what he did for God. And that could be your story. You may be stuck in the failure of your life and the mistakes of your life, but your story can be about what God did through your life. If you would just turn to him and stop running from him. You see, Moses could have been defined as a murderer, but he was defined as a deliverer. That all changed when he decided that he was going to turn back, look back at God, draw near to God, seek God, abide in God. And that's when his life story changed. I want you to remember that Moses' greatest work was after his failure. You know that your greatest work for God can be after the failure of your life, the mistakes you've made, the things you wish you never did, your greatest story is still before you. You see, Moses did turn his setback into a comeback. And he, he came back when he came back to God. And he allowed God to restore the purposes and the plans that he had for him. And I pray for you this morning. I pray for you this morning. If you like that stuck record... And you're stuck at the failures and the mistakes of your life. I pray that you would, like Moses, just stop and look back to God. Just draw back to God. And let Him restore what has been lost in your life. And let your life become a story of what God did through your life. And let you be defined by what God's doing in you and through you and not by the mistakes of our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Well, I don't always think we understand how much mercy and grace you extend towards us. Lord, I thank you as we looked at it this morning, Father, that you don't give up on us. You don't withdraw opportunities from us. You don't cast us aside and reject us. Because of our failures and our mistakes, Lord. I pray for every person that's listening here this morning. I pray, Lord, for anybody that's struggling in this area. That has moved slightly away from you in, in whatever, whatever that looks like, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring them back. Amen. That you'll draw them back into a passionate, intimate relationship with you. And Lord, that we'll live our lives looking to where you're taking us and not looking for, to the failures of our past. And Lord, that you would use us. And help us to fulfill every plan and every purpose that you have for our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.